Our text this morning will be the first 10 verses, Matthew 28, 1 through 10. This is an exceedingly important passage, without which we would not have any hope, not in this world, nor in the world to come. Uh, Every Christian must believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, or he's no Christian. Hear now the word of our God. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Thus far, reading God's holy, infallible, and inerrant word. All flesh is as grass, and its beauty is as the flower of the field. Grass withers, and its flower fades. But the word of our God endures forever. And this is the word of God that was just read to you. And by his help, it will be preached. Please be seated. If you've lived long enough, you'll have lived to uh, experience what it is to receive news from the hospital, from the the clinician, from your doctor. The lab results are in, and uh, we have some news for you, and uh, you have cancer. That word uh, was particularly difficult for me to hear because I I lost my mother when I was 18 years old to cancer. (laughs) It's it's hard to take that that news. But just as very difficult and just as, as traumatic as that news can be, so can the opposite good news from your doctor. The news that, hey, the treatment has been successful. There is no trace. There is no trace of this cancer. You have been delivered. Exceedingly good news. And we rejoice. But the news that we see in this passage is not at all to be compared with that kind of news. It's one thing to be delivered from the pain, the misery, the debility, 
the financial uh, strain of, uh, of a dangerous disease. Oh, but you know, we are mortal and we will ultimately fail. We will die. <clears throat> because our ultimate enemy is not, is not cancer. You know, MD Anderson has beautiful bulletin boards all over the city. They're in a big fight, as they should be. We fight cancer with science. <clears throat> but that is not our ultimate enemy. Our ultimate enemy is sin. And we, as I explained at the baptism of Sophia Kilgore, our guy, we're born with that. We're born with that disease. <clears throat> and we die with it, and we die because of it. And here in this passage we have a story <clears throat> of a man who has proven himself victorious over sin and misery and death itself. Now, it's good that we celebrate this in what was normally called the Christmas season, because we need to get your attention. Sometimes during Christmas, all we think about is the child that has been given to us. We forget. We forget that that gift <clears throat> is the antidote and the resurrection, the resurrection is the proof positive of it. The Lord, the Father, vindicated his son, <clears throat> his son who had been impugned with blasphemy, had been maligned, <clears throat> had been marginalized, hated, mocked. He had been beaten. He had been crucified, <clears throat> dead, and buried. But all of that was by God the Father's design, because all along Jesus was innocent of himself and was bearing the sin of his people. And by his resurrection, Jesus shows all principalities, spiritual and earthly, that he can bear the sin and the guilt of an entire world and still have plenty of power to overcome that and every misery and death attendant upon it. He is victor, Christ is risen. And we celebrate him and we preach him as the hope of the world. The proposition this morning is that the resurrection of Christ <clears throat> was majestic, it was kingly, it was glorious. A heavenly angel appeared, opening Jesus' empty tomb, and the angel was the first one, just as his birth, just at his birth, announcing the king, the child king that was born. The angel was the first to announce his rising from the dead. Jesus' closest friends were directed to announce the good news of his vindication by God the Father, his rising from the dead. And they were, they were directed to relay the news to the rest of his disciples who would then in turn to meet him in Galilee. It's a wrong, it's a strong, it's a, long, it's a lengthy proposition, but uh, <clears throat> that's the action of the passage, that's the teaching. We have here, uh, in the sermon, we've got three points. Is that right, Lou? Three points. The first point is that heaven and earth, just as God is the maker of heaven and earth, 
And as all those works are wonderful, they're wondrous, wondrous, wonderful to behold. Heaven and earth announce Jesus' glorious resurrection. How? When? It was after the Passover, after the Sabbath <coughs> was completed, both the festival Sabbaths and uh, the Lord's Day Sabbath. And uh, towards the approaching dawn of the very first day of the week, which would have been the eighth day, the day of the circumcision. Uh, again, in Christ all things are new. It's a new creation. Past the rest of the creation, the new creation begins on the first day, the eighth day to the Jew. So that's when, it went, well, that's when the resurrection occurred. By whom? It was a holy angel, a messenger from heaven. This one is truthful. This one is faithful. This one cannot lie. He's the first witness to his resurrection. If we do not believe God's holy messengers who cannot sin, who will we believe? <clears throat> Again, very similar to the angel's message at, uh, at his birth. It does help us humans uh, to receive such messengers. Uh, they are alien to us in our daily experience, but when they come, we, we can surely know that there's something very important, something different, something urgent has, has to be communicated. We'd best listen. But to whom did the angel appear? Well, to two people, really, uh, to two types of people, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary at the tomb, which was a cave, a sepulcher. And these were believers. They, they loved the Lord Jesus. They followed him. They were already uh, receiving his teaching and obeying his teaching. And then there were the Roman guards. <coughs> these were Gentiles. They were not believers. Uh, but uh, the risen, excuse me, the angel appeared to both, announcing to both. This is a little bit different, isn't it? Because normally God's angels only uh, attend uh, messages for his covenant people, Israel. But now the message goes out to Gentiles. Very, very subtle, but here's the difference. How was this message announced? <clears throat> the earth itself. Earth is a creature created by God. The earth itself announced the resurrection with a great earthquake. Jesus, as it were, was given up from the earth. The Lord was, um, the, the earth was glad to give him up because of his overwhelming power. How else? Heaven. Heaven is the work of the Lord's hands. Heaven also announced it, and that was the glorious messenger the angel from heaven, descending from heaven. And it was this angel that rolled back the large stone. Which goes to show you, angels, uh, you, uh, again, in this season, you'll find, you'll find all manner of greeting cards, and they have little, little pictures of beautiful little cherubs and all this stuff. Maybe a few of them have some strong-looking angels. Uh, but angels, my friends, are, uh, they're, they're a force to be reckoned with. They're they're not cute little things, you know, with their butts exposed. They don't do that. So you can wipe that silly notion out of your head. Okay. He, he rolled back that large stone. No, there's, I don't know how many men it would take to do that. The angel then sat upon the large stone. That's an unusual thing. We don't know what angels are doing. That's, a, that's an unusual thing for an angel to do. But one thing's for sure that this angel was very glorious in his appearance. His face was reckoned as lightning. Now that's also said of the Lord Jesus in his glorified position in heaven uh, in the book of Revelation. If you've ever seen uh, lightning up close, especially against a dark sky, you see 
you see how very, very bright white the lightning is. And it, it appears, of course, as a sign that something uh, strong and maybe even dangerous is with us here. His face was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow, indicating purity, indicating righteousness, indicating communion with God and friendship with God and all that is good and light in the world. This was a good angel. <clears throat> it was a glorious and holy angel. And this angel proclaimed good news. It was the good news of Jesus' resurrection. And he first proclaimed it to the women. Now, my friends, all earth and all creation since the fall grown by man's sin. We feel it. <clears throat> our families feel it. Our loved ones feel it. Many of our parents have, have now gone to be with the Lord. They've passed. We see the effect of sin and violence in the world. We read about it in the news. We see the attendant misery, all the innocents. They're, they're suffering there in Palestine. Uh, all creation awaits <clears throat> the revelation, the showing of the sons of God in glory. But with this sun rising, with this firstborn of God, all creation, all as it were, has to speak, and it does. Um, they're glad to celebrate the lifting of God's curse, even if it's just an earnest of it. The earth is not what it used to be in its first creation. The earth is not now what it will be after its restoration in all earth, and all heaven, and all the creation. Every creature groans and are happy to see the solution, at least, at least in earnest, of what is coming in the rising of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. And, you know, also, my friends, consider this as Eve, who bore the shame of being deceived by the serpent. Women here hold a privileged position in Jesus' kingdom. They were the first to, to receive. They, these women are at least at par with, with, with the angels that proclaimed the news to the shepherds and the magi and all this, okay? Eve is vindicated. Her seed, the Lord Jesus, has triumphed. For heaven and earth announced Jesus' glorious resurrection, and all creation has been waiting. And here they have the first fruits, Jesus. The second point of the sermon is this, that Jesus' glorious resurrection brought both uh, the, Jesus' resurrection brought both terror and comfort uh, at the gravesite. Uh, the, the witnesses were of two kinds. There's one messenger, but the two different audiences. Uh, and uh, the one messenger with one message had, had two different uh, opposite effects on the hearers. Um, by the way, it should be mentioned that the supernatural, when it appears to us, is, is frightening. But more than that, a supernatural holy creature uh, is dreaded and, uh, is, and is loathed by the wicked. Here, I, I, I don't know, maybe some Hollywood producer or director or screenwriter is listening. You need to understand that in your scary movies, Satan is portrayed as something very scary. Satan and his, dominion, and his, and his minions as devilish, as ghoulish as they may be, they're not, <laughs> they're not as frightening as a holy angel. 
They got it all wrong in Hollywood. It's upside down. Holiness is dreaded, dreaded by the wicked. And they, these, these soldiers were not ready to see the holy, and they were stricken. And all holiness is feared, but is, is, is loved by the righteous. Uh, we, we would tremble. Eh, perhaps we will tremble, unless the Lord gives us grace to stand before his tribunal in, in, in front of him and all of us, the hosts of heaven. Imagine one angel doing this. Can you imagine a whole army, the whole horizon filled with his messenger angels, all holy, all white robes, all faces like lightning? What will you do? Will you rear back in dread? Will your knees knock and faint? Or you, will you receive the grace to stand at his appearing? That's just one angel. My friends, the world, we do not understand what we're doing when we write books about the holy. One messenger, two different audiences, completely different effects. The Roman soldiers were terrified at the presence of the angel. And these are strong, and these are courageous, and these are battle-hardened men. But the soldiers had a, a great incentive to stand. Uh, the soldiers had been given commandment upon a death sentence. If they failed to guard the tomb, it was that, it was that important. It was that important to Herod. It was that important to Pilate. It was that important to the authorities, the, 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 uh, the rabbinical and uh, Sanhedrin authorities. It was critical that they be faithful here, and yet they melt away as wax. They literally shook with fear, and they swooned as in a stupor. I don't know if you've ever seen received such a fright that you, you almost faint, or perhaps you have fainted. Uh, you just overcome. Your nervous system can't handle it, and you fall back. That's what happened here with the Roman soldiers. You know, all who do not know the Lord Jesus and, and his messengers, they're God's enemies. And when a powerful, powerful enemy comes before you, this is the reaction. And all of God's enemies will be greatly terrified, greatly terrified at the glorious appearing of the Lord when he comes to judge both heaven and earth. He will judge angels. He will judge all nations. He is vindicated by the Father, by the resurrection, and the last act of the Father glorifying His Son will be the giving over of judging all the world to Jesus on the last day. Those are the soldiers' uh, reaction to the one message. The second reaction is by the women. And these received words from the angel, but these were for them comfort, uh, because I think the Lord probably gave them the grace uh, to to sustain the, uh, the, the messenger and to, and, to, and to receive the words. The women, uh, naturally weaker than men, I'm sorry, I will hold that position, they're the weaker vessels as the scripture. That doesn't mean you can't beat me in tennis or outrun me in the race. It's just what the, 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 the scripture regards the woman as a weaker vessel. But they did not swoon because God is able to strengthen. Our Lord strengthens the resurrection of Jesus is for the great comfort of believers. And the Lord is able to make his people stand in the presence of the holy. 
And the, the angels himself uh, gave words of comfort. The angel was not interested in scaring anybody. This is not, this is, this is not about scaring people, as scary as it is. The angel says, don't fear. Even though it's right to fear, even though it's natural and that we will fear, what the angel is saying is, you have good grounds to be pleased. You have good grounds to be at peace. You have good grounds to be rejoicing. This is not a day of terror. <laughs> this isn't a day to be celebrated, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So you need comfort. The greatest comfort is that <clears throat> as hard as your ailments can be, your failing health, your, your advancing years, your finances, perhaps your friends don't understand you, perhaps your work is difficult, any number of things can get in the way, all the miseries, but then all sin, sin, the bruising of your conscience, and doubts that arise as to whether you are truly a Christian. Uh, the, your uh, <clears throat> partial uh, and interrupted service in the Lord. You need comfort. You need to know <clears throat> that although you have cancer and that you will die from it, and you will die with it, yet you will not die and remain dead. Uh, you will overcome because Jesus has overcome. Jesus is alive from the dead. And so you are to remember Jesus and you are to meditate on him and uh, bring yourself in your own mind to this gravesite, to this holy messenger, and to the message of comfort because God is for us and, and not against us. The God of Jacob is, is for us. He is our stronghold. He is our tower. He is our refuge to the lowly, the afflicted, those who confess sin, those who turn from, those who begin to hate as God hates things, and those who begin to love what God loves, which is righteousness of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The angel then knows that the women seek Jesus, of course. And... Uh, the angel, in a sense, earns their confidence. He says that Jesus identified truly. This is the one I'm talking about. You seek him. He was crucified. I know this, the angel says. He's no longer in the grave. He is no longer in the grave. Nobody's taken him. He's risen. Jesus had previously predicted this very same thing, that he would rise on the third day, sometimes cryptically in parables and all that, but sometimes more directly. And the women knew something of this, and they would be remembered. They would be remembering this. The angel then directed the women to see where Jesus had laid him in the tomb. But he was not there. Again, uh, look, we can, believe the, we can believe the prophecies of the Old Testament. We can believe the narrative of the angel. But that doesn't mean we can't seek uh, evidence, physical evidence. It's all there. Historical, physical evidence is all there. Forensic uh, evidence. Courtly Admissible judicial evidence, scientific evidence. You can trust your senses. That's what the, this is what the angels are saying. I'm not mesmerizing you. I'm not overwhelming you. I'm not manipulating you. This is not hypnotism. You check it out for yourself. The angel refers then the Lord to the Lord Jesus as Lord. <laughs> the angel calls him Lord, and this does not mean sir. It means Lord. 
the angel directed the women to consider the evidence of Jesus' resurrection. An empty tomb, not only that, but as predicted, but not only, not only by Jesus, but all the prophets, if you read Luke 24, they spoke of Jesus' day as death and resurrection, his ultimate triumph. All very predicted, all foreseen and ordained by God. And here he was missing, although he was sealed by a giant storm and guarded by a strong guard of soldiers. You need to consider that this is strong evidence provided by uh, the Scripture and the, and, and, and the testimony of the Holy Spirit in the hands of Jesus' enemies, uh, a Roman government that really had no interest in the Jewish religion. The gospel then has plenty, plenty of historical proof. So the angel's message, of course, is, is reasonable, and it was meant to be received and believed. And the gospel has many proofs, if you know the, the narrative of the scriptures and its historical sending, or all of archaeology. You know, archaeology is a, is a living discipline that shows us the verity of the biblical record from the most ancient of times. But faith comes by hearing the gospel, not by the archaeological evidence or anything other. Hearing the gospel and, and hearing about the person and the work of Jesus and how he has triumphed, how he has obeyed the will of God on behalf of his people, and he has died on behalf of his people to rid himself. And one day, the Lord ha has uh, finished the work of reconciliation, paid the debt of sin, and offered gift forgiveness to all his people. That's the work of Jesus Christ. And so we are to listen to the word of God when it's narrated and re read, when it's, when it's preached. We are to listen, we are to pray, we are to consider. We are, we, are, we are rational, and this is a rational proposal to you, and I'm addressing your intellect for you to consider these things. Even as the women were considering and looking and listening. And that is how the gospel is to be received. Does the thought of Jesus returning to judge the world and on the last day terrify you? Is it even relevant to you? Do you think this is just one of some 2,400 other available options in religion in the world? Or do you see something unique here as really addressing the main, the main root the true plague of mankind, and that is our sin and disobeying God, our fall into sin, our death by our fall into sin, and the final cure, the final cure, Messiah Jesus, the righteous one who stands before God as our righteousness and is the vindicated son in our resurrection. There's the thought of Jesus returning to the, to the world now like next hour, how would you respond? Will your head hang in shame? Would you, not, would you accuse your conscience forever and your stubbornness not to check the evidence? Or would you be one who would be looking up and rejoicing and raising your hands to receive all the glory all the shining new light that would be broken unto the heavens and the new earth with all the glorious ones like lightning and the Lord himself, who is indescribable in his majesty, now come 
now come to initiate new heavens and the earth, his kingdom, a kingdom of righteousness and peace and love forever? Or do you not believe this account? Do you believe that it's impossible? Well, then how did God create all things out of nothing in the first place? Nothing is impossible for God. And if God has cursed the earth by our sin, why, why would it be strange that God would lift the curse and give usher, usher in blessings by his same word and decree? Believe the gospel. And finally, we say here that Jesus' resurrection witnesses are, are directed to spread the good news. <clears throat> Ours is an evangelical religion. That is to say, it is a religion of good news. And good news always spreads. I mean, really good news travels fast. Oh, did you hear who's getting married? Really? Wow. That's about time. I, I mean, how old is she now? 62? She's getting married. You know, you know that. A story like that, an unusual story, travels. The gospel travels fast because it needs to travel fast. It's a simple story. Oh, we've made it complicated, putting big hats and robes and all kinds of ointments and music. I mean, we really have made this a complicated thing. But the saving grace of God avails to all the world just as easily as these women receive the message and run to the disciples. And that's the way the good news is to be uh, communicated. And those who believe and, and rejoice with trembling certainly do it because they realize that we have the antidote. We, we, we have not only the cure for COVID, but we have the answer to all things. It's that big. It's that big. The angel of the Lord then directs the women to tell the disciples. What a holy and good commandment that is, full of promise. The women then uh, were commanded to go quickly. I'm telling you what, this, the gospel is on, is on greased, on greased skids. The gospel is meant to go quickly. It's meant to travel to all the world. Tell these disciples that are in despair, that are gloomy about, well, they had some hopes considering Jesus of Galilee, a man certainly certified by God. But what's happened? They're all downcast, but now this news, he is risen from the dead. And these women were Jesus' first witnesses. The angel said, that Jesus himself would meet his disciples in Galilee, <clears throat> where all things started, where he began his public ministry. And uh, as it were, uh, an outpost uh, of uh, the Jews as they were prepared uh, the worldwide evangelism. It's the front porch, you might say, of the Gentile world. Jesus would present himself to them there on the mountain, physically, gloriously, and change somehow. The disciples, they looked at him and said, I don't know, you know, he's different. Yes, he's different. The glorified body is different than the natural body as an oak tree is to the acorn. Make no mistake about it, we're going to be changed. And we'll be, suited, we'll be changed suitable to a whole new heavens and earth. And we'll be suited, suited to be in holy 
conversation, an easy conversation with the glorious ones and with the Lord himself. That's a huge change, much greater change than Adam being formed from dust. Because he will return to dust, but we will never return to anything less glorious than the sun's and shining light of God. And the women then obeyed, and they ran to tell the disciples how easy it is to obey Christ and his angels when you have good news. Obedience is natural. It's like breathing to a Christian when he's full of good news and full of Christ. Of course they're going to run. Yeah, they ran quickly. You can just see them. Aren't you glad they didn't wear high heels in those days? Can you see those women running around? Ah, you know, they go. But they ran with fear and joy. You know what it is to have fear and joy? If I need to explain that to you, you're not a Christian. You've never converted. Mark my words. God is consuming fire. But he's also your heavenly father. And there's no denying him that he's without both things at that same time. And so you're to fear him and revere him with exceeding joy. Human fear and joy are not incompatible. They're sweetly complementary in reverent worship. Is that the way we worship God in Christ? Is that the way America worships? It looks like we've got a Disney world in most churches. Laser lights, fog, stages, blue light, actinic lighting. I hate actinic lighting. You revere the risen Lord Christ. You want to get a glimpse of what he's like? Read Revelation chapter 5 this afternoon. It's, he is he's awesome. There's no informal worship of God. You don't, come, you don't stride into his presence casually. You enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Jesus himself then appeared to the women en route to the disciples. He sort of interrupts them. You know, they... They can't wait to communicate Christ to them, but Christ can't wait to communicate himself to the women. That's just the way our Lord is. And Christ, of course, is the best and the fullest and the only evidence that they would ever need of his own rising from the dead. Now we have seen the Lord. Okay, bring on any number of angels, any number of prophets, whatever. We know what we've seen and we've handled, says John in the first of his uh, gospel. The women then were last at the cross, and first at the tomb. You know, that's called devotion. Is Christ preeminent in your life? Does he have your morning and evening? Before your cup of coffee even sometimes. Can you see, and you know, and you know, you know why that, that is the case? Because Christ comes to you and visits you and interrupts you before you get to your coffee. He's quicker than you are. And that's why you have devotion. And again, if you don't know anything about consecration to the Lord, you've got to consider, do I know the one who, who I'm, I'm worshiping? Am I dealing with the, the Lord of all, the Lord Jesus Christ? Or, do I, or am I out of my mind and never have received any light 
of the glorious presence of my Savior. This is consecration and attending on the Lord preeminently, supremely, fully. And he will do the same for you. My friends, this is called fellowship in the Holy Spirit. It is communion with God. Do you know it? Is this your walk with the Lord? It, your, your soul with the light in it more than anything. Your days will be as heaven to know that you are friends with God. It doesn't get any better. Jesus then greeted them in a friendly, <laughs> polite manner. I, again, I'm not, being, I'm, not contradic I'm not contradicting myself here, and I'm not contradicting the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the greatest friend you'll ever have. He's the friendliest guy. He's probably the happiest guy you'll ever meet. Sure. But he's still the dread Lord of all in heaven. And both combine for a most satisfying experience to your soul because that's what your soul craves. Your soul craves God and nothing less. And you cannot reduce God to anything less. And if you do, you will not be satisfied. You will be finding yourself worshiping an idol and no God. Jesus is also very friendly, and he's a friend even to sinners. And that, my friends, is also supremely glorious. And that makes him adorable and irresistible to us. He greets them in a friendly, polite manner. Oh, that word polite. Where, where, where can we see where can we see where can we meet polite people today? Not at the airport. Can we, do we meet polite people anymore? Jesus is polite. The women then approach Jesus. Of course, it's easy to approach God when he is friendly. And he is most friendly to us in Jesus. And so they approached the, the risen Jesus. They even held his feet. And this is probably before he'd even risen to the Father. I, there are places in Scripture where Jesus said, don't, 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 don't touch me, I haven't risen yet. I don't know what's going on there, but this is what Jesus did. He sat there and he allowed them to, to hold him by the feet. He's that approachable. And they worshiped him reverently. That is to say, they abased themselves. They, even when Jesus is the friendliest, he needs rever you need reverential fear. You throw yourself down to the ground. Or do you not think that Jesus is this awesome and glorious? You have not seen the risen Lord. This is instinctual to every creature, especially those who know the glory of God. And here's the difference between the Old Testament worship and the New Testament worship. It's the incarnation. It makes all the difference in the world. God with us. He's the mediator. Of course he can be approached. He's the bridge. He's the God-man. Greater grace in the New Testament. And then Jesus did two things. He comforted just like the angels had. He comforted these joyful, obedient, but frightened women. And Jesus then reiterated the angel's directive. Go tell my brothers. Can you imagine? Jesus has brothers and his disciples. He calls them brothers. He's not ashamed to call them brothers. He so identifies with us as adopted sons of God by faith that he calls his friends brothers and that he would meet up with them in Galilee. And that's where Jesus began his public ministry, and that uh, his public ministry, of course, now what he's, what he's hinting at here is that he's going to 
continue his public ministry. The acts, uh, the acts of the apostles are not really the acts of the apostles. The acts of the apostles are what Jesus began and, and to do within or by his apostles in the church. And that's where the apostles, the acts follow the gospels and, and the scriptures. And, um, so anyway, Jesus here, Jesus is alive from the dead. A women needed no more convincing. What friend of Jesus would not rejoice at this news? What friend of Jesus would not be thrilled to hear Jesus call you brother? Brother. And of course, this news is so great. It, it, it's bound to bubble up and, and pour out of your mouth. Because if your heart is full of this, then your mouth will speak. And if your heart knows nothing of this, then you'll be as silent as that oak bench you're sitting on. Conclusion. The resurrection of Jesus was majestic. It was glorious. A heavenly angel appeared, opening Jesus' empty tomb, announcing his rising from the dead. Jesus' closest friends were commissioned, they were directed, not commissioned, I take that back, they were, they were directed, they were, they were told to announce the good news of his resurrection to the rest of the disciples, who would in turn themselves later see the proof, the risen Jesus on that mountain to the north in Galilee. My friends, our first, our first response here is to rejoice with all creation, heaven and earth and every creature, especially every rational creature at the news of the rising of Jesus from the dead. This is not something that we do once a year at Easter. This is something we do every, every day of our life, but especially on the Lord's Day, which is the first day of the week, which is the first day of the new creation. Rejoice. You have reason to rejoice. Review the record and see the emotion and see the hope of the earth gleefully will, uh, yielding up Jesus, not, not returned to dust. This, this son of Adam was not converted to dust. He was gloriously, gloriously transformed. And so the earth gave him up. Consider then how glorious one divine angel appears to us humans. Then meditate, my friends. You need, you need to spend time. You need to spend time thinking about Judgment Day. Think about what will transpire there. Let your imagination take it in. With the information, yes, the data that you received in this passage. Consider the new heavens and the new earth, the glory of it, the full fullness of the host, the armies of heaven, all powerful, all doing the will of God, all holy, all your friends, all conspiring to be your good companions and assistants in this life and, and, and in the next. Will you rear back in terror? Are you terrified now that this place is full of angels? that they are watching you and they are watching you. They can't read your heart, but God can read your heart. And all of this that uh, you are hearing and feeling will be played back to you. You will play it back because you will be told to play it back and your own conscience will either vindicate you in joy or condemn you in the most fearful and shameful way. Will you be rearing back or will you approach Jesus even in, even in, in glorious trembling, as these women do, would you dare? You see his friendly manner, and 
you see that he has an interest in speaking to you comfortably words, and so will you, will you take hold of him? Will you fall at his feet, you see, in adoration when he comes and worship? That's, my friend, what is due him, the Lord of all. And will you finally love to tell others about Jesus' victory? I don't know where it got into the head of Reformed Christians that they are exempt from evangelizing. I have no idea what has happened to the gospel, the joyful sound of Christians going forth and gossiping the gospel, let alone the ministers who are charged to do that. I don't... I, we shouldn't, be, we shouldn't be even directed to tell others. The, the women would have told their, their friends and Jesus' disciples what had happened. It would have been a natural thing, but the commandment is there, so let's go to all nations, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them whatever Christ has told them. And, and, and behold, the Lord is with us. This Lord, this risen Lord is with us when we do this in a way that he is not with us when we're not doing it. And that's why we love to evangelize. Because the Lord is with us. When we are spreading the gospel, he is certainly attendant upon our activity, and he comes to us quickly, and we would have that above all riches and all gold and all prestige and all fame. That, my friends, is our food and drink to do the will of God. And the church, the real church of God, evangelizes. And do you evangelize? Let's pray. O oh, glory, Lord, and honor, Lord. For you have spoiled your enemies and you have subdued all things to the feet of Christ. We pray that we would be subdued in joy, that we would see the vindication of your Son gladly and yield him all affection, all worship, all full consecration of obedience, taking every thought captive to you. We pray that you would bless our, your church, Lord, and save her, and bear her up as, your, as, as the shepherd, her own spouse, betrothed, and that you would persevere in us as we worship you with all reverence, and all joy. We see this, Lord, as most glorifying to you and healthful to our own souls. And we pray your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have an offering, please. Mm -hmm.